did you remember to like, follow, and subscribe? Okay, good. Let's go. A lot of people, when they come and have a tarot reading, they have the, the concept misconception that the reader is going to give them the answers, that they're going to tell them, this is what you must do, this is where you need to go, um, I'm going to give you all the answers and the direction. Whereas the tarot is not supposed to be used that way, it's there to give you options, it's there to give you insight and uh, different perceptions. So a lot of people over the years would essentially put their responsibility onto me. I mean, I've had um, friends say to me, you're the psychic, you give me the answer. Um, no, pick a card and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> Welcome to the Wayward Lasses All the Things Podcast. Real content. Encouraging. For real women. Affirming. Loving. Every age and stage of life. Are you ready to get real with the Wayward Lasses? You've come to the right place. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Wayward Lasses All the Things Podcast. I'm Brittany, joined by my mother, Amy. Oh, no accent. Hello, oh, daughter. My mother, Amy. Hello, mother. <laughs> I, have to, I have to explain that one to Tam. <laughs> and our very special interview guest for this evening, Tam Dillon. Hello, ladies. Hello. So the background story on the accent is my sister has kids and they watch Peppa Pig. And Peppa Pig says, hello, sister. So whenever she's on here, I can't help but say, hello, sister. And then I start off with an accent. So that's what it is. (laughs) I completely get that. (laughs) I love doing accents. I love doing accents. All right, guys. So before we hop into today's episode, just like always, we have some trivia for you. And mom has got that trivia. So you want to take it away? Yes. All right. So this is random trivia. I took it from today, all day trivia. So, all right. Let's uh, let's see what we got here. Um, what fast food chain once used the slogan, think outside the bun? I'm going to take a wild shot in the dark and say Jack in the Box. That's Good that's guess. my guess too. Good guess. Think outside the bun. Think think outside the bun. Burger King. Well, that's, a, that's bun related. It's Taco Bell. Oh what? What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be on Jack on Jack in the Box. <laughs> Jack in the Box was a very good guess. What? Taco Bell. That's crazy. Yeah, Taco Bell. All right. Which globally dreaded disease did the World Health Organization declare eradicated in 1980? Polio. Is that it? No. Don't you have a shot for polio, Mom? I've got a shot for polio. Your mom and I are showing our age. This one was the other one. I think we have a, sh- uh, 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 um, a vaccination that they don't give it anymore. Rubella. Oh, I think they. Th- I think they brought that back now. Oh, MMR. Gosh. It's the smallpox. Oh. oh, I thought we still got jabs for those. Did we? What's the one that they did the ten needles? Did you get that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Back when I was very little, I think that was measles. It was, was either, that measles? either measles or, or smallpox. Yeah. Okay. All right. At okay. least we know there's international standards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're over two here. Okay, let's. Wait, let's, hold on. Yeah. Was it ten needles at one time or one after the other? It was. It was ten at one time. Okay. Well, yeah. my dad. My dad was a doctor, and he administered our vaccinations, and it was ten pricks. In our arm that he did. Oh, um, okay. Quick, and, quick pricks. Quick pricks. Individual. Oh, okay. We had yeah. a, a fancy little machine that had the 10 needles on it, and it was literally just a straight in the arm. Yeah, but you, that probably would have been better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatized. <laughs> All right. How about this one? What is Prince Harry's official first name? I want to say Harriet so badly, but <laughs> I know that's not correct. Harold? Begins with an H. Guess. What else begins with an H? Holly. <laughs> Henrietta. 
Henry. Henry. But he goes so by Harry. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'm still, I know I'm still he's the Duke of Sussex. <laughs> Couldn't have asked that, could you? <laughs> Ask us something we know. <laughs> All right. How about this one? Well, actually, you might not know this. All right. How about this? Yes, you will. What TV series included the phrase, go where no man has gone before in its title sequence? Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I think, I think you're going to get this one. What is the fifth sign of the Zodiac? Gemini. Gemini. This thing's weird then. I don't know. I was just going by the months. Well, what's before Gemini? Because it would be early. Aries. A Taurus. Yeah, Taurus. You're right. It is Taurus. Taurus and Aries. Because it doesn't start in January. Pisces. Aquarius. It doesn't? Mm -mm. No, the Zodiac actually starts on um, Aquarius, if I'm not mistaken, is where the actual system starts on. It doesn't run from, it's weird, it doesn't run from January to to December. Oh, I didn't know that. Then so I, don't under, I don't understand how they came come across with this, but it's Leo. Leo is the fifth sign of the Zodiac. Yeah, 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 that calculates, that's right. Does it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, um... All right, let's try and try and find one more, ladies. I'm trying to find one that's going to. Uh, blah, blah, blah. All right, how's this? What is an eight-sided shape called? An octagon. Octagon, yeah. <laughs> an octagon. Yeah, an octopus. octopus has eight legs. Yeah, it's, it's an <laughs> octagon. <laughs> we did it. All right. Trivia, mom. Good trivia. It was very random. All right. Good job, ladies. Good job. All right. So we are here with Tam. Like I said, she's the owner of Spiritually Mindful and the co-founder of Upstate Healers Collaborate. Before we kind of hop into your business and everything that you do, could you give us a brief intro as to who you are? Because I know that you're not from here and you have a lovely story about how you met your husband overseas. So if you could kind of introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm originally from South Africa, born and raised in Johannesburg. Um, That's why we don't have the Peppa Pig accent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then in my early 30s, I left South Africa for the first time to go to the country of Vietnam, which is where I met my husband, um, who's originally from Easley, South Carolina. Um, And that's pretty much how I landed up getting to South Carolina initially. Um, we We spent a good couple of probably a good year and a half in Southeast Asia. Um, we did a, a couple of different countries there. We did Laos, Cambodia, um, obviously a very bit of time in Vietnam. Uh, we then started my immigration process and here I am two and a bit years later. So how long were you in Vietnam for? You said a year and a half? A year and a half in Vietnam. And then uh, Laos, we were there for a couple of weeks, uh, probably about 10 days in Thailand and then about seven months in Cambodia. Wow, that's actually really cool. I've never been to any of those places. I would love to visit. They're beautiful. Why Vietnam? It was an intuitive decision. There was just something in my soul that just the country called to me and it said, this is where you need to go. I mean, I, like I said, never left my home country before. It was my first time out. So it was a bit of an odd choice. My parents were like, is it safe there? Yeah, it's safe. (laughs) (laughs) It's safe. There's no more going on there. Um, But absolutely no regrets. I mean, it was, was, the culture is amazing. The experience was beautiful, but it was a completely intuitive decision. It was just somewhere I knew I needed to go. I love that. So were you, were you actually working while you were over there or this was just like vacay, visiting, doing your own thing? Uh, I actually uh, read tarot while I was over there. I read and I taught a lot of the, um, there's a very big expat community over, especially in Hanoi. And all of them are super open-minded. And when they learned that there was someone over there that read tarot, they were all like, yes, when can we see you? Like, please bring us your cards. Um, so that was predominantly what I was doing. I did try teaching English, which is what most of the expats do. Mm-hmm. And I'm 
Phenomenal at teaching tarot and spiritual practices, but I suck at teaching English. <laughs> teaching, teaching English is hard. As a Spanish teacher, teacher, that was one of the hardest things and obstacles to overcome is because you're teaching Spanish and you're trying to relate it to the English language, but these kids yes. don't understand English language or the English rules. Uh, so, right. I, I mean... I grew up speaking English. It's my first language. And English is difficult. Like, it's a it rough is. language. Oh, Never yeah. mind trying to teach someone else. Absolutely. It's very, <laughs> it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I just remember every year I'll put up a sentence like, Claire buys flowers. What's the verb? And they'll be like, Claire. And I'm like, no, that's not the verb. <laughs> it's buys, right? Yes. Okay. This is- <laughs> See, that's why I don't teach. <laughs> This is going to be a long semester. (laughs) Wow, that's terrible. (laughs) So a question for you, because I know that you told us you had started reading tarot or got got into all of this when you were a teenager. So what inspired you or interested you into kind of getting into this realm of things and these different spiritual practices? I was such a curious teenager. I was so curious. And where it actually started was a conversation with a really good friend of mine in high school. Um, I'd watched far too many episodes of Charmed. And I said to my friend out of the blue one day, I'm like, I would love a book of shadows, you know, like a fancy book of spells. And she's like, well, just go to your local bookstore. And I was like, what? Are you being <laughs> serious? And of course, I arrive in the bookstore and I'm expecting like leather bound tomes, like fancy, you know, like you get in Charmed. And yeah. no, they were all paperback. <laughs> all paperback and very normal. <laughs> so that that's actually what started all of this. Um, and from there, the more I read, the more it just resonated. And I just haven't stopped. My curiosity hasn't dwindled. <laughs> I love that you mentioned Charmed because we totally watched Charmed a lot when we were younger. Yeah, you guys did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. What a great show. <laughs> right, right. Spell books aren't, aren't right, though. Like, it's it's not a correct representation. No. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so then, Tam, for our listeners who are, who are not aware of spiritual practices, can you share some, what, what are some of the major differences between them? I would say how the practice is done. So when we're talking spiritual practices, we're looking at things like yoga would be a good example of a spiritual practice, meditation, mindfulness, uh, Buddhism is a, med- is a spiritual based practice. Um, so a lot of the philosophy is really similar, but mm-hmm. the wording and how the actual practices are done, that's the things that that's where your differences come in. Um, but the they're actually all pretty much one and the same. They've, they're the things that they're teaching and the core of those practices. There's a lot of similarities. Okay. Huh. I like that you bring up too that meditation and yoga are considered a spiritual practice because I mean, I've dabbled in meditation and yoga and it really does you can't just do it mindlessly. It really does require focus mm-hmm. and, and kind of um, attention to, to kind of what's going on with your body and where your mind is at. So I really like that you, you kind of made that connection there. Oh, that's it. Well, I mean, meditation does form part of the practice of yoga. So yoga essentially has eight limbs. I know in most people, when we think about yoga, we think about just the one limb, which is asana, which is your stretches, your poses. Mm -hmm. So everyone thinks that, okay, well, doing the pose, I'm doing yoga. You're literally just practicing one limb by doing that. Uh, Meditation is another limb. You'd have two others, which is your yogic ethics, your yamas and niyamas. Um, You then have concentration. Uh, And then obviously your final limb, which is uh, samadhi, which is uh, reaching a state of bliss. So yeah, yoga is actually quite an extensive practice. Absolutely. Would you say that um, kind of on that list that you gave us that you have a a favorite one that you like to kind of dabble in more than others? Oh, no, they're they're all they're all just so like you can't do one without the other. Um, you know, when you're when you're practicing your poses, it's you have to take into consideration certain ethics. So be non-harming, um, speak the truth. So when you're coming into a stretch and you're saying to yourself, oh, I can overextend and I can push myself further. You're kind of lying to yourself and you're also harming your body. So you're going against the ethics. Um, so the ethics is the foundation for your practice. And that's where a lot of studios tend to leave out the ethics. 
which is sad because when you know the ethics, your yoga practice becomes so much more in depth and there's so much more um, purpose behind your practice. You know, you're paying a lot more attention to your body. You're paying a lot more attention to your honesty with yourself and authenticity with yourself. Uh, you definitely have a far more meaningful practice when you have that. So you got to have all the limbs together. Right. I mean, that makes perfect sense when you explain it like that now, because I feel like normally who for people who are, aren't are really, I guess, aware of everything that you listed, um, think of like, okay, I'll, I'll do meditation here and I'll do yoga at this time. And, um, you know, I was, I was trying to do that. I was trying to do meditation in the morning and do some yoga after that and kind of keep them all separated. But you're completely correct. If you're going to do that, it's really all, all connected in one. That's that your um, your physical poses actually set you up for your meditation side of your practice. So actually stretching your body out first relaxes you, um, calms down the parasympathetic nervous system, lowers your blood pressure, lowers your heart rate. And those are all the things that kind of prime you physically to get into a state of meditation. Um, and meditation is simply it's a, a state of mindful awareness. You know, when you've got all these aches and pains in your body, your mind's busy, it's difficult to focus on what's going on on the present moment um, and that's where your your next two limbs come in meditation and concentration ah i need to start doing that i always been doing the yoga after the meditation so thank you you're welcome so, <laughs> just say i guess to to um I, we had somebody who all um does yoga what is what is the Carrie. her practice yeah i know what was her practice my um soulful um, wellness soulful wellness yeah, and I had asked her a, a question, I think it was around, you know, how, what's the recommended time? You know, like when you go to work out, they, the, your trainer will say, well, you should at least stretch for like five minutes. With meditation or with yoga, is there a recommended time that you should put aside to do the meditation, to do the yoga? I know you said, I forget how many own, lums, L-U-M-S, is that what they're uh, called? Limbs, so, so like limbs of a tree. Oh, limbs, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if you can actually reach each one. The last one you said is, is like probably That's not attainable un, unless you've actually done meditation for or, or the limbs for quite a while. But would you say there is a recommended number of limbs that you should do or – um, at the very least, least, can you maybe pick and choose a few to get the full benefit or, or some benefit um, starting your day with? Or you know, how, how would you answer uh, that? Because I'm curious about that. It's, it's all about figuring out how to integrate the, the limbs into, into one solid practice. Um, so obviously bringing in the ethics, being mindful while you're doing your practice and making sure that you're paying attention to those, those ethics. So being non-harming, um, non-stealing, so setting si time aside for yourself um, mm -hmm. and not robbing yourself of your yoga practice. Um, so you've already hit two, two sets of the ethics there. Um, being honest with yourself and saying, hey, I can't actually stretch that far today. You know, maybe I, my hips are just a little bit too tight for me to do this pose. Um, so now you've hit into another thing of ethics. So it's all about learning to integrate the stuff into your practice. Um, breath is another one or pranayama, as it's called in yoga specifically. And when you start your practice, you start with the breath, you bring your awareness to your breath and breath is actually incredibly helpful in getting you in and out of your poses. So you're meant to actually breathe into your pose and mm -hmm. breathe out of your pose. Um, and that'll instantly make a massive difference into stretching a little bit further or having less discomfort. So you're ready now three limbs in and you've already just just started with the stretches and you're maybe two minutes into your practice so mm -hmm. now we're going to start with the actual stretches and you're just going to bring in a little bit of that concentration because we need to focus while doing our practice so we're having that body awareness where is my body where is my body in space or proprioception um, so you've got that limb coming into it and what that does is then it builds you onto um, prepping you for that space of meditation. So a lot of yogi practitioners, they'll actually say that their practice is meditation. And I don't know if you've ever been in a yoga class and you're, you're just in that flow and you're just knowing where you're going next and you're listening to your body and you're in tune. You're, you're doing meditation already. So we've already whacked out six limbs. Hmm. You got two left. Um, Reaching the other two would just be a natural part of the process. Those, those would be two things that you would reach 
naturally um, that state of bliss, which is that final stage. When you, if you've ever had a, a really beautiful yoga practice or you've been to a class and you leave and you're like, wow, I feel really good. I feel really amazing. Um, my head doesn't feel cloudy. I've got lots of focus. That's a state of bliss. Hmm. You don't have worries. You don't have concerns. Like there's no weight on your shoulders. It's a very simplified version of that state of bliss. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people have the con- that misconception that that state of, of bliss or nirvana, as they call it in Buddhism, that it's this, you know, this magic place that, that's unattainable. But it is something as simple as, hey, I feel really good today. Like, hmm. I don't have any worries. I don't have any stresses. I'm in tune with myself. I'm in flow. That's, it really is that simple. Yeah. Huh. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I was reading this book and for the life of me, I can't think of the name right now because we're talking about it. But it was <laughs> it was discussing how meditation and yoga and essentially all of the eight limbs are really helpful when it comes to medical issues and problems. Um, just like, you know, how some people would relate it to prayer. Um, I was reading a study on um, how they did um I guess two control groups and one, they allowed them to pray for their issues and one they didn't. But the idea and the fact that you can take your issues and your stress and put it off on something else really Mm -hmm. does help, you know, the body kind of heal and regulate. And it's the same thing with yoga and meditation and all eight limbs is to be able to kind of pinpoint the areas where you're having, you know, the pain or the hurt or the congestion or whatever it is, and being able to breathe into it and kind of figure out what's causing it and giving yourself that release I mean, yeah, there's so many health benefits then, I would say, um, from really diving into the eight limbs. Oh, completely. From stress relief, um, antidepressants, so you have mental well-being, you have the physical well-being because you're moving your body, um, and depending on the type of practice that you're doing. So if you're doing perhaps a yin-based practice, which works more within the limbs and the fascia, um, you're doing a lot of releasing in the body like that. So you're doing some lymph drainage, so you're detoxing the body. Um, there's also good old hot yoga, which I can't do because I'll die. I, I get I get hot and sweaty and just like a normal regular yoga. Yoga class like don't put me in a heater class I'll die um, but also incredibly detoxing um, and obviously just moving your body and it is um, I'm not going to say it's a form of fitness because yoga and fitness classes are two totally different things but you're still activating parts of the body you're working muscles um, you're engaging in certain things you're building strength you're building up your core and like I say it reduces your heart rate it brings your blood pressure down uh, that lymph drainage, sort out your cholesterol. I've seen people bring down their levels of diabetes with it. Um, it's it's an amazing practice. Absolutely. And I see here, because I have your website pulled up, that's why I keep looking off to the side, but you have your 200-hour yoga teacher training and your registered teacher with Yoga Alliance. So Tam, yes. what's up? <laughs> I would like to think so. <laughs> that training's paying off. <laughs> so, um, going to switch it up here. Um, I wanted to get into the tarot reading. Um, can you kind of describe maybe what tarot reading is for people who may not know what it is? So, um, first I'll bust the the misconception about what tarot readings aren't. Um, Tarot reading is not about predicting the future. Um, It's not the crazy gypsy lady with her crystal ball telling you you're going to meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger. Tarot, if you're reading tarot from the correct place, it is actually an incredibly therapeutic tool. It is something that can give you some amazing insight. It shows you different options. It gives you different perceptions. It can really help you through those stages where you feel really stuck. I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing right now. And it just kind of gives you a completely different perception, things you may not have thought of before. So for me, if I'm going to explain tarot in a nutshell, it's a therapeutic tool. It's it's not something that, that's going to divine the future for you. Um, unless, of course, you've got that gift and you can see down timelines and you can predict the future, then by all means, go for it. But for the average person in the street, Tarot is an amazing tool for self-development um, and and a form of therapy. Can you kind is it of something that you? Oh, sorry. sorry, I was just going to ask: Is it something then that you use on a daily basis for yourself? 
it depends where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, I'll go stretches of months where I won't even touch my cards for myself personally. And then there'll be stretches where I'm working with them actively. If I'm doing a lot of work on myself or mm -hmm. um, I have a particular thing that I need to um, perhaps shed or understand more in depth, then I'll be working with my cards quite regularly. Um, but then there's the stretches where I, I just don't need them. So it really depends on what's going on for you in the moment and do you need that um, external point of reference, essentially? Okay. okay, so let me just see if I can rephrase this. So you would use them kind of if you've got, got something going on in your life to help allow you to see different perspectives of the situation that you're going through? Oh, definitely. Definitely. The cards are amazing for that. Uh, I mean, you've got uh, 78 cards in a set and each card relates to a particular experience or a particular type of archetype. So anybody at any stage could pull a card and they can find a way to relate to that card, either through the experiences that they've had or a personality trait. So we can all relate to the tarot. It's all in how it's unpacked for the person. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also the set that you're using. You know, Having a, a set that you can relate to is vital. If you're pulling a set of cards and you've got no idea what's going on on them because you just can't relate to the imagery, um, it's not going to give you any other perception than what the hell's going on here? Like, I don't understand. Can you give me something else? Um, so having a set to relate to is really, really, really helpful and really important. So the so pictures are different. Oh, yeah, that's what oh, I yeah. was going to ask. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you if you look on my shelf here, that's my my, my small collection of cards. <laughs> um, it's literally three, four shelves of a collection. that's a mix, mix of tarot and oracle. Um, so it depends on the set. So your tarot has got a set structure um you'll have a set structure no matter what set you pull that structure will be there but the imagery will definitely be different from set to set it depends on the theme it depends on the artist and that artist's interpretation of that card huh I had no idea. so if you're doing a tarot reading do you have the person that you're doing the reading for select what cards to use or how how would that work Back when I read professionally, because uh, I retired for, for four years and I've only recently come back into reading again. So before I retired, um, I would always work with just a single set. Okay. Unless I was reading for someone that was very wary of the tarot and very new, then I would bring in the angel-based tarot because it's a little bit more palatable. It's a little bit gentler. But other than that, I would work with the standard Rider Waite set. Mm -hmm. And as it's the set that everybody knows, everybody recognizes it, everybody knows the imagery on those cards. So it's also, it's that whole relatable aspect to it. Um, I have other readers that won't touch the Rider Waite set. They're just like, no, it's boring. I don't want to use that. Mm -hmm. um, where I'm reading now, I use two completely different sets. I actually work with two sets at the same time. Um, and the reason for that is that it allows me to have um, different perceptions. So Perhaps we draw the star card from one one set and it comes up in the other set. Um, it's either going to amplify that message or it's going to give us a different um, a different portrayal of what that star card is telling us. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. Wow, I had no idea. I'm learning yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, question for you, because um, like you said, and I like that you started out with that. You said, I'm going to tell you what tarot is not. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because I feel like a lot of people think tarot reading, they're thinking like witchy, demonic, kind of, you know, totally, you know, inappropriate things. Um, but you mentioned earlier and on your site, um, in your kind of bio about yourself that you use it therapeutically and you've seen it have a positive impact on people's lives. Could you possibly provide us like an example or kind of dive into that with us? So maybe we can bring more people to an understanding of how tarot can be used for that. Uh, so there's a couple of different ways to use tarot as a therapeutic tool. If we're talking um, traditional psychology, um, using the cards as a way for a person to have a visual representation of saying, this is how I'm feeling or this is what I'm going through. Um, perhaps they'll pull out the tower card, which is pretty much chaos and destruction. And they're saying, you know, this is what my life feels like right now, but I don't have the words to fully express what it is that's going on inside of me. But this picture here portrays it for me perfectly um, 
So in psychology, using it as a visual tool, because then the psychologist can then add the vocabulary for their client and say, okay, well, this is what's happening for you. This is what's going on. Um, obviously, having an understanding of that base meaning for that card. Um, the base meaning for the, the tower card is transformation. They're going through a massive shift, massive change. Um, and if we think about life in general, we're going through transformations or big changes it's chaotic, it's crazy, it's scary, um, which is pretty much the premise of the Tower card. So it's a really great tool for therapists to relate to their clients better and understand their clients better. Because for a lot of people going into therapy, they don't necessarily have the vocabulary to say, you know, this is what's going on, this is what I'm feeling. Um, and some people are just scared to voice that stuff as well. Another way to use it as a therapeutic tool is in a form of self-development and learning to understand yourself better. Um, here we can either work with the entire set. So like I said, you've got 78 cards, which are all different types of archetypes, different types of experiences that we can have. So you have um, our major arcana and our minor arcana. Your major arcana is your big life stuff, your big life experiences. Uh, so... Things like death, transformation, um, those big, deep, heavy relationships, uh, mother, father, society, those are all different experiences that we have. You then have the minor arcana, which is your day-to-day -day stuff. Um, and that minor arcana is split into four, what we call four suits. And those four suits relate to pretty much the four aspects of yourself. So your physical self, your mental, your emotional, and your energetic self. And what you're using the cards for is to understand those aspects better. So working with the majors to understand your life experiences better, um, perhaps why you struggled with an experience or to gain a deep insight into that experience. And then working with the minors to understand your four aspects a whole lot better. Um, why do I struggle with my career and my finances? Let's look at the suit of pentacles to get some insight. Why do I struggle with relationships or why am I not meeting someone? Why am I not getting a relationship? Let's work with the suit of cups because that's all emotional based. So using those cards to almost deep dive inside of yourself and understand yourself a whole lot better. And by doing that, you're, you're just broadening your level of self-awareness. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I realize there's like so much depth <laughs> so I'm, just like, I'm just watching you like wow. <laughs> they're a lot more than just pretty pictures <laughs> so interesting so tell us this now you've been doing this for quite some time what are just some of the challenges that you've faced along the way as you've been doing this I think number one would probably be burnout. Uh, burnout was one of the reasons why I retired for four years. Hmm. So a lot of people, when they come and have a tarot reading, they have the the concept misconception that the reader is going to give them the answers, that they're going to tell them, this is what you must do. This is where you need to go. Um, I'm going to give you all the answers and the direction. Mm -hmm. Whereas the tarot is not supposed to be used that way. It's there to give you options. It's there to give you insight and uh, different perceptions. So a lot of people over the years would have said, and she put their responsibility onto me. I mean, I've had um, friends say to me, you're the psychic, you give me the answer. Um, no, pick a card and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> Take some responsibility for your life. Um, and also a lack of boundaries. As a, as a reader, it's so important to have strong boundaries, to be able to say to a client, um, I can't answer that question, or let's look at rephrasing that question. Let's look at, at doing this a, a different way. Um, so developing those boundaries and also learning, learning to detach from your clients mm. as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, people come and have readings for some heavy stuff. And having coping mechanisms to know how to detach from that after reading is so important. So burnout was was a very big reason for me retiring. That was biggest challenge. Hmm. I wow. never thought that that would be, you know, so it's interesting to hear you say that because, again, I never thought that that would be something that you would actually experience as a result of doing it. But, yeah, I can actually see that if they're coming to you and looking to you for yeah, you're the, like you said, you're the psychic. Tell me what I need to do. <laughs> no, yeah. Take some responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's a lot of readers that uh, they struggle with burnout. Burnout is a, is a big problem for a lot of readers. Um, and it comes down to not learning how to detach, 
um, carrying that stuff with you after the reading's done, not having the boundaries, um, and also the way that some readings are just structured allows that room for um, essentially that bit of abuse to happen. Mm. Wow. Um, question, another question for you. <laughs> for someone who uh, maybe is wanting to get into, not, not get into it, but want to maybe have um, come to you for a tarot reading, um, and maybe they're just not quite sure. I think you've done a really great job of kind of explaining what that is, but do you have any advice for listeners who may be shying away from it and maybe kind of just to give them that helpful push they need? <laughs> I would say um, be clear on why you want the reading. I know for a lot of people, they're just really curious because they've never had one before. Um, obviously, Hollywood's not a great help because they just add all the, the bad stigmas to what terror isn't. So a lot of people, they're really just curious. So if you are curious about having a reading, I'd say go and have one. But Pick your reader by word of mouth. Get someone who's referred to you um, so that you know you're not going to get one of the fraudsters. There are a lot of charlatans out there, unfortunately, mm. um, which doesn't help. It gives Tara quite a bad name. Um, so pick your reader carefully, someone who's going to hold your hand through the process and and take you through each step and say, you know, this is what this card is. This is where I'm picking up what I'm picking up from. Um, and also a reader that's going to be genuine and authentic with you. If you're shying away because you're scared of the answers that you're going to get, go and have the reading because you probably need to be told what, what it is that you're shying away from. Mm. Um, but I think the the biggest thing is pick, picking your reader is, if I'm going to leave any advice on that one, pick your reader carefully. Make sure those come from a referral and know why you want to go for the reading so that when you're chatting to the reader beforehand, a lot of them will let you um, have a quick call with them or, you know, drop an email and say, you know, I've got a couple of questions, I'm nervous, I don't really understand the process. A lot of them will, will talk you through it beforehand. Um, and if they're not willing to do that, I would shy away from that. Yeah, yeah. that's the mm. sign. Yeah. So you're saying it's not just like, because I feel like you're right. I have the Hollywood idea of I'm going to go into a room, there's a crystal ball, and then there's the cards get pulled out, and and I just sit down and they tell me stuff. So it's a completely different experience. I'm going to be coming to you and what you're saying is I need to work through something and you were like my mediator to help me figure out how to get through this, find different perspectives, et cetera. That's it. That's it. Um, and I mean, you you do get the readers. I, I actually have one that I go and see. Um, she's a, um, where is she from? She's a Cuban and it's one of the Afri Cuban Congo mix. Uh, fascinating lady, amazingly gifted. Um, she does have the crystal ball on her table, which she does use because you can use that as a tool. Um, mm -hmm. And she actually works, she doesn't work with tarot. She actually uses Spanish playing cards um, to do her readings, which was fascinating for me. I've never had a reading like that before. Um, and that's exactly how she did it. She literally just laid the cards on the table and she just read for me. She just pulled everything out. My very first tarot reader back when I was 19, Madam I. Um, she was batty as fruitcake, but man, she was like frighteningly <laughs> accurate. Like she could look down timelines for sure. Um, she actually predicted me meeting my husband in a foreign country, um, like right down to a T. It was frightening. Um, and that's how she read as well, was also just putting the cards out and just telling you. She, You don't ask questions. She just puts the cards on the table and she tells you what's going on. So you do get the readers that are like that. And they're like that because they've got that gift and they can do that. Um, for most readers, though, they don't have that gift. They're just really good at knowing the cards um, and working with them from a more of a therapeutic-based perspective. So that would be the kind of reader where you go to and say, this is what I'm trying to work on. Can I have some insight or understanding or how could I navigate this better? Um, I've got the gift of foresight. I don't like to use it because it's a hell of a responsibility. So I lean more into let's look at the different perspectives. Let's unpack this for you. Um, let's, let's find a way for you to navigate this better. Okay. I'm curious about this. I saw it in your, on your website. What is a soul session? 
Um, so soul session is, it's like a coaching session, but we're coaching you from the soul-based perspective. So when I explained the tarot earlier about the, essentially the five different parts. So you have the major arcana, which is the big soul stuff. Um, and then your four suits, which is the four aspects of yourself. So if we take that and put that into a soul session, that soul session is looking at all those five parts. Um, and we're looking to understand those five parts and we're helping you with whatever it is that you're needing assistance with. And we're looking at those five different aspects um, so perhaps you're really struggling to make ground in your career you're feeling stagnant you're feeling stuck let's poke around those five different aspects and see where is the block actually sitting is it actually a physical thing where it's relating specifically to just poor career choices or is it more something on an emotional level uh, perhaps you're lacking in self-worth and self-value and you feel well you know, I'm not good enough to have a better career or a better opportunity. So that soul coaching session is pretty much poking around in those five aspects to understand you better um, and to help you understand yourself better so that we can figure out how can we get you from where it is that you are to where you want to be. Okay. Wow, I love that. Yeah. I am poking around on your site too, like Brittany is somewhere. I'm like all over the place. <laughs> Um, books. I'm going to look at books books. tomorrow and there's going to be all these these hits. I'm going to be like, oh, I'm so popular. (laughs) Um, But you've got some some books out there. I think you've written some, a few of them too. Can you tell us about the ones that you've written? Um, so there's my Art of Tarot guidebook, which will take you from beginner to advanced, and it'll teach you how to work with the cards more specifically for things like self-development, growth, insight. Um, it doesn't touch on the fortune-telling side of tarot at all. Um, the feedback that I've gotten from that book is that it it really has taken such a complex tool and made it so simple and so accessible, which was, that was my main purpose in writing that book, because a lot of people, when they come to me to learn tarot they feel overwhelmed they're like there's 78 cards how can I remember all of these Um, and there a lot of people just get stressed out and put off because of that so when I sat down to write that guidebook my intention was to take tarot and make it as simple as possible Um, and from the feedback I've achieved that Um, I then have the art of divination guidebook which is um, a guidebook that teaches different types of divination practices. So the word divination literally means um, seeking divine guidance. So you're looking for answers about something. And tarot is a divination-based tool. It's just one of them. You have thousands, thousands of different divination tools. Depends on the culture you're looking at. Every culture has some form of divination tool from throwing bones in Africa to the Yi Ching in China. Um, Japan has its own. Um, you then have things like runes, which comes from Norse mythology. You have oracle cards that I'm literally just listing the ones that most people would know. So mm-hmm. those are all divination tools. And that guidebook teaches you how to use those divination tools uh, for real life problems, uh, for real life solutions, for how to use a divination tool for meditation, um, how to use a divination tool for self-development, for how do I figure out this problem? So problem solving. So that's what that guidebook's all about. And I then have my memoir, um, which is Walking with the Fool. That is the fourth edition of that book. Because <laughs> I keep going back and rewriting it because I keep having all, more, more and more insights. I'm like, oh, I'm not done with this book yet. I need to go and rewrite it. Um, according to my editor, I'm still not done with the book, which is like, you can leave it where it is for now and publish. I'm like, okay, I'll come back to you in two years. We can rewrite it again. Um, so that book is about my, um, my own personal spiritual journey. So at the age of seven, I started having um, – my gifts pretty much coming to fruition. So I could I could see past the veil um, is what a lot of psychics would call it. So looking past the veil, the veil is essentially the this little sheet that kind of separates the world that we live in here, the 3D world, to the spirit realm, essentially. Um, and at the age of seven, I started looking through that veil into the spirit realm. And uh, from there, my gifts have started to flourish. That's why I was also such a curious teenager. You know, mm-hmm. I just felt so drawn to getting myself a book of spells and like, let's devil in this and let's figure this stuff out. Um, so the book explains my own personal experiences and my own journey of how I've gone from 
just a very basic tarot reader to taking almost a full shamanic journey and stepping 100% into those powers and those gifts, learning to own them and also learning to master them. And the core purpose for that book was that I come across so many other practitioners and people that have such really beautiful gifts and a lot of them feel like they're they're crazy, like they've lost their mind, like this can't be real. And I want people to know, hey, you're normal. Like what you're experiencing is normal. And you know that's where Western Western society has kind of let us down. So you have shamans in pretty much every culture. Mm-hmm. So a shaman is a practitioner that, if we're looking at um, in South America and the jungles there, um, in your traditional original tribes, they would have a shaman there, and that would be the person that. If someone in the village has um, an illness or they're not feeling good or maybe there's something wrong emotionally, that's the person they would go and see to help them through that process and to get them to the other side. Every culture has one, including Western culture. But Mm -hmm. Western culture has detached itself so far from its core spirituality and its authenticity that you know, those people just get shoved in the loony button. It's like, no, that what you're seeing is not real. Like it's, it doesn't exist. And a lot of people, they lose their gifts at, at young ages because what what you're seeing is not real. Like don't ignore that. Like shh, don't talk about those things. Um, so it kind of gets pulled out of you and you lose that sense of self. So that book is written for those people to say, hey, come back to yourself. You can do it. What, what you're going through and what you're experiencing is completely normal. Um, it's it exists all over the world. Western society has just detached itself from it. Yeah, I agree with that. It's because I mean I feel like a lot of kids in schools nowadays. I mean creativity is just to a degree punished or just smashed down. Um, mm-hmm. You know there are so many things that kids are interested about and whether it's like a home situation or the school that they're in, oftentimes kids are not given the opportunity to explore or to be creative. So I agree with you. I think a lot of that is, is kind of just smushed and tucked under the rug for what's going mm-hmm. on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I do have to do an audible mention to your website. Your website is awesome. So you guys need to go to it. It is spirituallymindfulllc.com. She has um, memberships on there, monthly memberships, a free membership that I joined. I just haven't had the chances to go through the courses yet. An annual membership. She has master classes, libraries. There's a store with books and journals and clothing. Um, you can do services for the intuitive readings. There's so much stuff. And I just love that you've got like your little YouTube videos on there. She does a really, I've watched a couple of them. She does a really great job of kind of just breaking a lot of things down. So if you guys have some more questions about that, definitely head to the head to the website and kind of look at everything Tam has to offer there. Um, did I miss anything about the website that you wanted to mention to everybody? Uh, you've hit the nail on the head and I, I love that you've, um, you you've pretty much said exactly what I try and achieve in my videos, make the stuff as simple as possible. Like spiritual practices, reading tarot, doing yoga, that stuff is so accessible. Everybody can do it. Um, it's all in how it's presented. So I'm glad to hear that I'm keeping it simple. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we kind of um, head off and kind of end this, uh, was there anything that we didn't mention or ask you that you wanted our listeners to hear? Um, we can touch on upstate healers a little bit. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm the one of the co-founders. I've partnered with another healing practitioner, uh, Angela Lewis from Attuned Awakenings. Shout out to my girl. Um, <laughs> we sat down last year, May. Um, it had been sitting with me for months that I kept meeting all these beautiful healing practitioners and they kept speaking about how they felt lonely and they felt isolated. Um, you know, they didn't have community. I was like, what are all these people talking about? Like, I know so many of you. There, there's, there's so many of you here in the upstate. How do you not know one another? And then Angela reached out to me the one day and she said, I feel like we need to start some kind of a networking group for the healers here. Like, let's do it because it's been on my mind for months. Like, let's go for it. And originally it started as um, just a simple monthly meetup where we would all get together and we would kind of rotate out different practitioners. So we have two facilitators that would come in and they would offer a healing modality for the day. So 
healers are terrible like giving them self-care they always put themselves last so once a month you have the opportunity to love yourself to take care of yourself let someone else do the healing for you and then that's then followed by some networking time and um, it's just grown and the community has become so grateful for it so like this is what we needed like and at least every single meetup, at least one person has said to either myself or Angela, uh, what you guys have done is amazing. Like, this is exactly what I was looking for. You know, I get I get my monthly dose of healing. I get to connect with the other weirdos that are out there. I don't feel so lonely. I don't feel so isolated. Uh, I don't feel so weird. Because uh, it's it's not an easy place to be a healer in the upstate of South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people feel out of place yeah. here. Imagine. Um, yeah. And coming into this year, we're now expanding on that and we're going to start more public based workshops where we're going to start educating the public on different modalities that are available. What are they? How? What are that? What are they? How do they work? Um, busting different myths and misconceptions about them. And we're also looking to help our healers grow and develop their businesses as well. So we've got a whole lot of educational workshops planned for our healing community. That's awesome. I'm on, I'm on their, the Upstate Healers site. Um, so rather than just look at it, why don't you tell our listeners <laughs> how they can find you, the two websites, your Instagram handle, Facebook, uh, if you have Twitter, why don't you let all our listeners know what those are? All right. So Upstate Healers is upstatehealersc.com. And what you'll find on the website is a directory. So you can actually find healing practitioners in the upstate. So I've done a fairly good job of setting up the the website. It's pretty user-friendly. You type in the service you're looking for and your area, and it'll pull practitioners up for you. It also lists all our upcoming events as well. Um, You've obviously mentioned Spiritually Mindful, uh, which is spirituallymindfullc.com. And you can stalk Upstate Healers with uh, at Upstate Healers on Instagram and Facebook. And Spiritually Mindful, it's at Spiritually Mindful LLC, both Facebook and Instagram. I don't do Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I only have so many hours in the day. I can't do another social platform. (laughs) That's okay. These are the main ones that you need to focus on. Yes. (laughs) I just got to say, it has been such a pleasure to have you on here. I love what you're doing with Upstate Upstate Healers. That's exactly what we're wanting to do with Wayward Lasses, is to create a community of women that can come together, um, just have that support and that empowerment and that love and that affirmation that we all need. Um, So I love that you're doing that with with your group. And I had to read off this last sentence um, from your website. The one consistent, however, has been her purpose to assist others with transformative change, empowerment, and learning to step into their authentic self. I feel like that kind of sums up everything that you've told us today. I've had a blast. Hopefully you guys have learned so much stuff. I've learned a bunch of stuff. I need to hop I on have. those courses. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Mom. Do you want to close us out? I do. Thanks, Tam, so much again for joining us. Um, as Brittany said, we've learned so much, and we hope our listeners have as well. Be sure to check out all her different handles, her website, more and more. Um, thanks, everyone, again for joining us tonight. And we are the Weaver Glasses to remind you to keep it real. Have a good night, everyone. Take care, and thank you, Tam. Bye. Thank you. Bye.